Welcome to the Beyond Devices podcast. My name is Jan Dawson and with me is Aaron Miller. As promised last week, this is our uh, predictions episode. So we're going to spend a few minutes, probably 10-15 minutes at the beginning, reviewing our predictions from last year so that there's a little bit of accountability here up front. Uh, and then we will move on to making some new predictions for 2017. So we'll do that by company and then we'll have some sort of industry level predictions as well. So uh, similar format to, to last year. Uh, so let's start out by reviewing our predictions from last year. And this was an episode, I can't remember if it was 26 or thereabouts last year, where we uh, made some predictions for 2016. And uh, each of us had uh, predictions with regard to specific companies. And we did spend a lot of time on on Apple. The podcast a year ago was a bit more Apple-centric than it is now, perhaps. Uh, we spent quite a bit of time on Apple, but we did talk about some other companies as well, and then had a handful of, of predictions uh, for the industry as well. So um, we're just going to go through some of the predictions that we made then and talk about how they panned out and, and perhaps the implications of some of that as well. And, and uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, I did a piece for Tech Pinions Insiders this week where I reviewed some of the predictions I'd made there a year ago, and a lot of them were the same as the ones I've made here, so direct you to that as well. Um, so first off, Aaron, Apple, you made quite a few predictions about Apple. Any particular ones that kind of stand out to you, either because they were right or because they were somehow spectacularly wrong? Yeah, um, I think I was really, like, I think one of the biggest surprises was the watch update this year. Um, and this is going to relate to a prediction I'll be making again for the coming year. But, you know, Apple usually, when they launch a new product line, it's been pretty steady that you can expect them to do a major form factor update. Plus the fact that the watch got delayed on its pre- predicted launch time by six months that it got pushed back to the fall from the spring which I think was when most people expected it and then it came out and it was the same form factor um, I mean granted it had the waterproof versus water resistance it had the, the GPS um, built in but um, uh, but you know it was it was kind of an underwhelming update for what typically in the Apple cycle you know life cycle of products is a big one Um and so I, the one thing I'm proud of being right on with that was that there wouldn't be any new health sensors despite all mm-hmm. the speculation. I don't think there's going to be speculation like that in the future that's not a little more well-founded. I think people were right. just sort of guessing. And, yeah. and uh, in fact, the question of the week I did on that topic back in August really solidified that idea for me that it's going to be a while before there's anything really substantial there. Yeah. So um, I am... Uh, I mean, I, I can't say that I'm proud about my predictions for the Mac lineup because I was way off on timing. I, I, I did predict form factor upgrades across the lineup or most of the lineup with a Mac. Um, and that really only happened in the MacBook Pro in a pretty dramatic way. The MacBook right. Pro was a huge change form factor wise. But I expected the same in the iMac and, and that hasn't mm-hmm. happened. I, I think that all is still coming. Um so uh, that I think the iMac will get a form factor change, not just, you know, USB-C versus, you know, like older USB plugs. But and I, and I was right about the USB-C charging in the MacBook Pro yep. and that a lot of people would be ticked off about it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm proud of that. I was, I was way wrong on the battery life improvements, um, mm. but I don't think I was wrong for... A technical reason. I, I was wrong for a strategic one. And in fact, the Bloomberg piece that came out this week from Ger- uh, Mark Gurman about the, the languishing Mac um, seemed to indicate that Apple could have done something more impressive on the battery side 
on the MacBook Pro. Yes, I saw and that. And didn't because of politics or ti- or timing of you know, the 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 engineering required to mm-hmm. get it done. So, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. I on the iPhone, I I predicted a big camera improvement. I was wrong. I thought it'd be a Lytro type thing, but it turned out to be dual cameras on the mm-hmm. the larger iPhone Seven. But interestingly, I mean, those dual cameras allow for some clever stuff with focus. So even though it isn't right. a light field thing where you can change the focus after the fact, it did allow yeah. for that sort of depth of field effect, which, you know, is certainly related to the prediction that you made, even though it was slightly yeah. off. So I, I was I was right because I was standing next to the right answer <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I had it. And I and I was right about the about the 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 the, the smaller uh, iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. Yes. That it, yeah. that I was wrong. I thought the iPad Air would go away, but it, of course, it totally made sense that they kept it around and had it be a, mm-hmm. a lower price entry iPad. I was, in fact, I feel like the iPad whole line was where I really nailed it. Yeah. I mean, except yeah. no, for the release. Stuff there. So you'd you'd basically said the iPad Air would probably get a big upgrade and become kind of like a little pro, right? And you yeah. ended up being right about that. Um, you know, it yeah. became exactly that, and except the Air stuck around, as you say, and. Became sort of the cheaper alternative, but you, you you absolutely got right the idea that there would be a smaller Pro, and I also did predict that the bigger iPad Pro and the Mini either would get no updates or a small one, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, both of them didn't see anything new this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely yeah. okay. Well, so on Apple. I, the big thing I got wrong was I said I thought the iPhone was still going to grow this year. And remember that we recorded this before Apple reported for Q4. Right. Um, and it, it did end up growing in Q4, whereas a lot of people were predicting it wouldn't. So I got that right versus the consensus at the time. But um, I got everything else wrong, basically. So the next three quarters, obviously, have been far more challenging for Apple as far as iPhone growth and growth overall. So, And I think, frankly, Apple didn't predict that either. I think you know their, right. their guidance certainly didn't suggest they were expecting that either. So I wasn't the only one by any means, but it was interesting. You know, I certainly did get that wrong. Uh, I did say there wasn't going to be any iPad growth this year, and I was right about that. There was one quarter of revenue growth, but you know, shipments didn't grow even right. with the Pro. Um, you know, we talked about um, what became the iPhone SE, um, and I said I thought that that would release with the new iPhones in September and not in the spring, so I got the timing wrong there. But I also said that it wasn't going to be dramatically cheaper than just you know a phone from a couple of years ago, and it was slightly cheaper right. than that, but not dramatically, so I feel like I got that fairly right. Um, my sort of out-there prediction for Apple was that they would get into the smart home hardware space directly, which, of course, they didn't do. Uh, they did upgrade HomeKit significantly from a software perspective, so it's a lot more usable, and we have seen a lot better and more third-party hardware. So... You know, they did invest in HomeKit, but just differently from what I was expecting. Um, as far as iOS 10, I think my prediction there was that they would get into peer-to-peer payments. And they didn't directly, but they did, of course, uh, do another thing I talked about, which was uh, iMessage integrations. Um, so, you know, yeah. allowing sort of opening up APIs and so on for iMessage. And th- with that, obviously, open the door for Square Cash and various others to do peer-to-peer payments through iMessage, which was kind of what I talked about Apple doing directly. So I feel like I get half a point for that anyway. I think I think you get a full point. I think you nailed that one. As I was re-listening to that, I, especially because I think you were ahead of most people's predictions in, in the rumor mill that Apple would do a big update to iMessage. I mean, I predicted an iOS 10. I predicted that iOS 10 would be a big upgrade, but I didn't give a lot of reasons why. 
I think you nailed one of the reasons that iOS 10 was such a big upgrade was that is that um, the messaging app got got so many new features. So yeah, I, I'd give you a full point on that one. Okay, well that's generous of you anyway. <laughs> um, we talked about the Apple TV, um, and uh, I, I don't know. We made a lot of specific predictions. I think you'd said it was going to get 4K support, which didn't happen. But I just you even no. as you were making it said you know it was probably a matter of timing, and you might be a year ahead. And, and that's kind of my sense at this point too. I wouldn't be surprised right. if it gets 4K support in 2017. Um, we talked about better gaming again there wasn't a specific prediction there that didn't end up happening um no and we also talked although about the, the the groundwork was laid for that it, mm-hmm. apple loosened up on the siri remote requirement right which is a low profile change it's not the one that you know makes any news or brings notoriety to it but mm-hmm. but like minecraft just launched on the apple tv this week and it requires mm-hmm. an external controller and i don't right. think minecraft would have come to the apple tv if it wasn't for that change so mm. So I think there were things that happened behind the scenes on gaming that make the Apple TV a little more attractive as a developer platform, but uh, as a gaming platform for developers. But I, I don't know. We'll see what mm-hmm. happens. But it, it, you're right. It, there wasn't really much progress as far as actual games that people can play and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked about deeper Siri integration, which did kind of happen. So Siri search within apps and various things like that and being able to search YouTube and things like that with Siri. So that definitely did happen. And some of the, the stuff that happened in the fall with... Um, being able to say, you know, watch the such and such game or whatever and having that happen. So you definitely got that right. Um, we did also talk about fragmentation and, and how frustrating an experience it can be to use right. the Apple TV to watch TV. And, of course, we didn't predict anything specific there, but the TV app that Apple's just finally released to the public in the last uh, week or two is their you know, first step to solving that problem. So that was interesting. Um, so let's move on to, to stuff that doesn't relate to Apple. I, I had... Uh, a prediction about Alphabet, which was around um, the the fact that they were about to start breaking uh, out Google versus other bets. We didn't know that it was going to be called other bets at the time, but um, the Alphabet change had been announced, but they hadn't reported under the new structure yet. So I made a prediction around that saying the core Google business would look really good, the rest would look really terrible, and uh, my out there prediction was that at least one of the other bets would end up being either uh, killed uh, spun off uh, or scale back significantly. And so this is the prediction that I'm proudest of from last year yeah, because you know I don't think that. anybody else was talking about this at the time. And, and no. I, I actually, there's kind of one of each of those. So, um, you know, Google Fiber's basically been paired back to essentially nothing at this point other than ongoing maintenance of where they are. They've spun it as, you know, a shift in focus to wireless technologies. But my sense is that they basically have scaled that way back and it's not going to come back again. Uh, in anything like the same way. But, of course, they, they've sold off or are in the process of selling off Boston Dynamics. Um, so that was the spin-off one. Um, and then Nest, obviously, was paired back and has new leadership and so on as well. So uh, we definitely saw that happening following the sort of transparency around the other bets. So, as I say, that's one I, I feel fairly confident in saying I got right. You did, and I, I remember being skeptical of it. I don't think I voiced it, but I thought, you know, Google loves this kind of, these are the moonshots, and I, I had a harder time picturing them being as, I don't want to say ruthless, but as tough as they were on the other bets, but it did happen. Right. Yeah. So you had some predictions about the TV business um, that yeah, were kind of it interesting. Was, it's a hard prediction to measure whether or not I got right, because even at the time I, I made it, I acknowledged that it was a, a sort of loosey-goosey prediction. But just mm. that this would be a year that was marked as the shift from subscription, from regular you know, cable television to more over-the-top services. 
I, I think it's a, I think we're going to look back on it a year or two from now. And I think I will have been deemed right. <laughs> and I say that in part because, you know, right at the end of the year, AT&T launched the, um, direct the direct TV, TV now. now, which is a big deal. And it's going to be a big deal in the year to come, I think. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think Apple's TV app is, is, uh, you know, addressing the fragmentation problem we talked about. It's a start mm-hmm. that since I've been using on the Apple TV, I've noticed my preference for using it. And I'm annoyed, for example, that Netflix isn't baked into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we will look back on 2016 as at least if not this year, exactly. We'll look back on this say, say two to three year period starting last year and ending next year as the, as the, as sort of the pivot point where over the top, uh, became the future very clearly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it was a, it was a pretty loose prediction, but, mm-hmm. uh, I think the direct TV now service getting announced um was the punctuation point to say yeah this is this is the time yeah it's so. sort of a tipping point year i guess right so right. it's not that yeah. lots actually necessarily changed this year but that the seeds have been sown for a lot of the changes that will happen over the next few years that's right yeah okay well, oh, I, well I have... and i guess i should add to that there's also the uh um the new box that's being announced by sling or mm-hmm. i guess leaked right Right. And, and that's just in the news this week that there's this little sling box that you're going to be able to buy that carries the sling service, but also uses over the air um, to pull in Antenna. local channels. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think that's another I think that's another example of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so my I don't have any sort of industry level. Well, I guess my one industry level prediction was about the U.S. smartphone market um, shrinking for the first time. And that turned out to be right. So yep. I predicted, first of all, that when Q4 was reported, uh, we'd see shrinkage there, but that that would carry on through the year as well. And, and that's absolutely turned out to be the case. And, um, you know, that shrinkage has been fairly significant on the postpaid side. Um, you know, I think this quarter we may end up seeing some slight growth again over last year driven by the iPhone. And the iPhone is the single biggest component in this trend. You know, whether it goes up or down is largely driven by how the new iPhone sells. But, um, you know, we did end up seeing that. But uh, three specific company predictions that I made that were sort of quick fire ones at the end. Twitter, that core user growth, uh, would would be minimal again, basically, um, and that turned out to be right. So sort of 10 million users added versus 20 million the year before, so fairly small user growth in the context of 300 million plus base. Facebook, I said there would be another big acquisition, possibly in the messaging space, maybe an Asian messaging app. Didn't happen, got that one completely wrong. Uh, and then Microsoft, I said they'd launched the Surface phone, and that was actually widely reported at the time that they would do this, so it wasn't too much of a, an out-there bet, but they seemed to have changed their minds about that in the interim. Right. And they didn't end up launching. The broader prediction there was about Windows Phone continuing to struggle, which, of course, has happened, and you know, Lumia smartphones have just basically dwindled to nothing, and uh, it's sort of been paired back to an enterprise play. So uh, I was certainly wrong on the specifics there, but in the general sense, more accurate in terms of predicting how things were going to go. Any you last know, things you want to say about predictions? Just that it, it, I was a little nervous looking back on this episode, but I'm actually kind yeah. of pleased with how we did. Like, yeah. I mean, of mm-hmm. course we're going to get stuff wrong, but I think there's a lot of stuff we got right mm-hmm. that wasn't obvious at the time. And in fact, I think taken out of context with the year now behind us, you'd look at those predictions and some of them you'd be like, well, duh, that was obvious. But I don't think it was at the time. I think we mm-hmm. were making, I think we really were making guesses about the future. And yeah, so I'm going to pat us both on the back. Oh, well, I don't job. know if we'll do right. as well this time. We'll see. But. <laughs> we'll see. But, I, you know, I think there's an art to this too, which is, 
you can you can make very safe predictions and be right 100% of the time but that's not all that interesting and so I think what we did last year and what we'll try to do again here in the next 45 minutes or so is try to make a set of predictions that that go a little further than the obvious and and therefore we're sticking our neck out a bit and we're going to get more things wrong than we get right Um, but that's what makes this an interesting exercise right so Anyway, with that, we'll launch into this this year's predictions for 2017. Um, and again, we're going to go somewhat company by company, and then we'll have some sort of industry-level stuff too. And, and we're going to try to go through this fairly fast and perhaps spend a bit more time on some of the bigger predictions. But uh, let's start again with Apple. Um, you, you have some predictions here. I have some predictions here. Aaron, why don't you kick us off and, and talk about some of what you're predicting there for Apple? Sure. Um, I think their biggest product of the year is going to be the iPhone. Um, I think when the fall comes and they announce iPhone, I, I think it's going to be an iPhone 8, not a 7S. They might call it a 7S, but I, I kind of doubt it. I think it's going to be a big change. Um, this has been in the rumor mill for a while, so it's not like I'm coming up with this out of out of thin air. Um, and I think the big feature, the, the, the marquee feature, I mean, you got to recognize that Apple, when they add new big features to the iPhone, they're, they're not wholesale changes. There will be a, 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 a physical redesign but uh, I think the marquee feature is going to be wireless charging, and I say that just because they've been doing it with uh, they've been doing it with the watch now for a couple years. Uh, they're doing it with the AirPods now and the little charging case thing. Um, inductive charging, I think, is the future for most devices. Plus, it fits right in with Apple's instinct to do things without having to plug stuff in. Um, and so I think that's going to be big. And I think, I think there's a decent chance that inductive charging is also going to get to the iPad lineup in the fall. Uh, I think iPads are still going to launch after the iPhone, the same sort of September versus October type event. And because uh, they've only combined those once over the years, and I think they're going to keep them separated. Um, although this time, I guess it was, you know, spring versus fall with the iPad. But, um, right. but I think the iPad, I think there's, I think the iPad, I don't think you're going to see anything on the iPad until the fall, and uh, and I think it, I think that if the iPads get anything, it's going to be wireless charging. But I don't think you're going to see much else that's really dramatic. I think they'll just get processor updates. Oh, I was right by the way on the record about Force Touch not coming to the iPad lineup. You were, then I was wrong. <laughs> that was yep. that was when we didn't mention. I was totally wrong on the watch with the face with the FaceTime camera. <laughs> so to balance <laughs> this out, where we disagreed. I totally blew that one, and I'm not even sure it'll come in a future watch anymore. No, but uh, but and I and I I still think that uh, that Force Touch is going to stay out of the iPad, iPad lineup, and only mm-hmm. because not because I don't think Apple could have figured out the technical. The, I think they could have done the engineering by you know this time next year when we'd be talking about this, but I think it's because at Force Touch is is not as central of a feature as I think Apple hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't think there's going to be as much of a need for Force Touch to show up, especially because, you know, a lot of what you'd care about with Force Touch, you, they'll probably be able to pull off with, you know, like updates to the pencil or something else, right. you know, where right. it's like yeah. our, our artists care about Force sensitivity, but mm. most of the rest of us don't. So. Right. So I want to I want to pick up on your inductive charging thing because, I agree. You know, it struck me recently the two most recent products that Apple's launched, the Apple Watch and the AirPods, both use non-cable-based charging. So, you know, that you don't plug anything into them. You drop the AirPods into their little case and then there's some contacts that connect to the battery. Um, the Apple Watch, you just lay down on the little charger. Um, so, you know, totally see the logic there. I think the challenge is that 
those are both things that you don't use while you're charging them. Um, and maybe you use the Apple Watch in its sort of nighttime mode or whatever as a sort of clock, but um, you know, you're not really using them. The problem is that people regularly use their phone while they're charging it. And the big problem with inductive charging is if you have to put it down, it becomes a lot less useful. You can't talk on it. Um, you know, it's harder to type on it. It's harder to do all kinds of stuff if it has to lay on a mat. You know, it's actually easier to do those things if it's just plugged into a cable. I think, you know, people get frayed iPhone cables all the time. And I think the main reason is they use them while they're charging them. Um, and I think this is the problem with inductive charging for phones is it's actually less flexible than uh, plugging it in in some ways. And so there have been rumors and there's this uh, company called Energis that um, makes over, charging over distance technology. Uh, it's been rumored to be working with Apple. And so some kind of distance-based charging over the air feels like it makes more sense to me. It also makes it feel like it may be longer away than this coming year. But right. you know, I do wonder if Apple will continue to hold off on wireless charging until they can do it over distance. Well, I could picture them doing a hybrid type approach where if you want a cable attached so you can still be using it, it's a magnetically attached cable mm -hmm. that sort of snaps into place and aligns itself automatically, sort of like what MagSafe used to be. Right. Um, you know, but where it's not actually plugging anything in, it's just sort of aligning to the spot where the inductive connection happens. But then mm -hmm. with that, there's also a mat that can use the same hardware baked into the phone or the iPad. Mm to do the charging process. So I could picture them coming up with a, a hybrid type approach to that. Yeah. So no, anyway, that that's yeah. that's my big that's my big okay. prediction for that. I, I think as far as the rest of Apple's stuff is concerned, um, I think with the Mac lineup, hopefully, I, I th like we said earlier, I think I'm right on the, the physical refreshes and redesigns, but it just was wrong on timing. So expect that with the iMac. I think they're going to do a Pro-ish type product update this year i don't know if they're going to take the old pro and 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 just spec bump it i don't know if i think they're going to do something for the for the pro market this year mm. um i don't know what but I yeah think I, th I feel like happen. with a mac pro i feel like one of two things has to happen either they go back to updating it more frequently or they make it upgradable i think the big challenge right. for the last few years has been they made it non-upgradable and then they didn't upgrade it either um, yeah. And so you basically spec'd it from the factory, and then that's the machine you were stuck with. And you couldn't buy, you know, an upgraded version. I mean, you could buy a different spec'd version, um, but you, you haven't been able to buy an upgraded version or to upgrade the one you have easily. And I think so. They they either have to go back to the old strategy of updating it more frequently, or go back to the other old strategy of letting you upgrade it. Which, if it's the latter, means it probably has to change in form factor, which would be an interesting sort of and rare. Uh, decision for Apple because usually they go in one direction with this stuff. You know, think about batteries being sealed into laptops and things like that. You know, you don't kind of tend to go back from that kind of thing. But you know, I, I agree. We need to see some kind of update this year. Yeah, um, I, I I think there will be a touch bar keyboard, a wireless yep. touch bar keyboard. But what will be really interesting about that is that the secure enclave for Touch ID and all that is going to be in the keyboard itself rather than in the right. Mac. Because yep. I just don't think there's, I, I just think this, the the idea of that happening over Bluetooth doesn't make sense to me. So I think right. they're going to make a big deal out of the keyboard and the Touch ID be made in there. Um, we'll see, and maybe they'll do something with the trackpad, with the Magic trackpad instead. But I doubt it. I think it'll be in the keyboard. No, I agree. I, if I have an out there prediction with, I have two out there predictions with Apple. The first one is related to the Mac lineup. Although this is sort of like my 4K prediction with the Apple TV, I think it's more. I think it's more likely to be a year away. 
But I think Apple's going to start working on, I think Apple's going to be launching custom silicon for their Mac lineup to either supplement or replace their Intel chips. And I, I think Intel has been languishing. Um, it's, it's, it's hitting the end of, it, it, it's not accelerating in computing power in its, in its chips the, the same way Apple's internal team is with ARM chips. And I don't know how Apple's going to accomplish this, but I suspect they've got something going on inside. And and so I, like I said, I'm not I'm not sure this is a year. In fact, I think it's not likely that this is a year. But I think this is coming, and it might be this year where something like that happens. Yeah, uh, it's an but, interesting one because you've got the secure enclave already. <clears throat> excuse me, is a an ARM based right. chip within the uh, within the new MacBook Pros. Um, so there is a sort of precedent there as a complement strategy. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Intel has driven a lot of the advances in the Windows machines over the last few years, and yet doesn't seem to have driven comparable advances in the Mac. And and so it right. feels like Apple is, you know, uh, if anything, it's helped Windows machines catch up to the Mac. And so yeah, if they need to, if they want to, if Apple wants to extend its lead through the Mac or get back to having a lead, arguably, um, you know, they probably do need to take some more control over their own silicon. So where I think the more likely approach to this is for Apple, rather than just ditching Intel altogether, is they start picking off uh, various uh, functions. Uh, functions, right, into their own custom silicon, mm. right, where there's something maybe graphics related or there's something, um, uh, you know, maybe something related to AI, right, where their Siri processing is happening in something custom built. And so I, so I could see them sort of picking off features that are baked into custom silicon and and this is how they overcome the issue with Intel right now basically for all PC manufacturers being a one size fits all and it's harder for Apple to distinguish itself in the in the hardware space because of that. So anyway, that's my big guess on the Mac lineup. Um, yeah. I think the form factor update that I predicted for the watch is coming this year. Like I said it's it's not like Apple to think that it has a form factor nailed on the first try and uh, and so I think that's coming. I'm sticking with thinner. Um, battery life is a big concern there, but Apple seems to prefer thin to batteries. Um, okay, my crazy my crazy prediction for Apple, um, which gets us to the end of this, is that uh, is that I and, I and I'm not sure how likely this is, but I'm just putting it out there because it's fun. Sticking my neck out, like you're saying, um, is Apple launches a home device, a home speaker, you know, a personal assistant device this year. And I think their secret sauce is going to be all about ecosystem. I think it's going to be able to talk to phone, you know, so you can say, hey, you know, Siri, where's my phone? And and uh, and then it starts pinging in the bedroom closet, you know, sort of thing. Or um, uh, or um, it, it can talk to the Apple TV, um, you know, I, and, and I think this could be a platform for Apple staying caught up with um, the smart home space, or at least still having a play in the smart home space, where this becomes the new hub. And I wonder if it's going to be something like what you had talked about a couple episodes ago about the reasons they're getting rid of their Wi-Fi routers is maybe because they have something bigger in the pipeline, and so this would be a Wi-Fi base station plus a personal assistant with a speaker and Siri and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I put that at a one in five chance. Okay, so one in five, you said. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's interesting. I, I get asked by reporters quite a bit, kind of what do you think Apple's going to announce next year, especially towards this time of year when a lot of reporters are doing their sort of end of year and then 
preview pieces and right. that's the one category that seems the most likely is is some kind of a Siri speaker basically and you know does it is it a Siri speaker is it more than that you know airplay seems under threat lately it feels like that's more and more being relegated as a function within iOS for example right. um, you know airpods obviously use Bluetooth rather than Wi-Fi um, you know, it feels like they've been moving away from that. But, you know, if you were to do an Apple speaker, for example, or a Siri speaker, you know, you send audio to it, obviously, and you could have several of them around the house. You could do Sonos-like, you know, whole home audio type things with that. Uh, but obviously it would house Siri as well and could respond to, hey, Siri type commands and uh, all that kind of thing. And, and to your point, I think being integrated into the other devices in the home could be interesting. Certainly you'd use it for HomeKit uh, as well, so yeah, it seems that seems plausible to me at some point in the next two to three years, whether it's this year or not, I don't know. But if I had to pick some new product for Apple to launch this coming year, it would be either that or um, some kind of companion to the Apple Watch that you you wear or put in your pocket or clip to your clothing or whatever while you're doing, say, contact sports or other sports for which or other activities for which a watch is not appropriate. So if you play basketball right now, you have to take your watch off to play basketball. You can't be wearing a big old metal thing on your wrist when you're trying to sort of clash arms with other people and that kind of thing. And uh, so, you know, you basically can't track that activity today with an Apple Watch. That just doesn't seem right. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see some kind of little companion at some point that allows you to, to do that. But anyway, um, beyond that, I have sort of three three or four financial predictions. So I think the iPhone will grow this year. I know I said that last year and I was wrong. So sticking my neck out a bit, but they're, they're, they're guiding to that for this quarter. And right. and I think we will see growth after a down year this year. I think the iPad will continue to decline. Um, so again, I'm kind of repeating that prediction from last year. I think it may start to flatten out a little bit in revenue terms. And, you know, at some point, I think we perhaps get to a new normal, but I think it's still going to decline for now. I think the Apple Watch will end up being roughly flat um, in terms of revenue. Um, I think they'll, you know, they've obviously the timing this year has been funny, so they'll actually be down on the first year. But I think next year will probably be flat to this year, unless there's something very dramatic in the fourth quarter that, that really gooses Q4 sales. Um, but I think it'll be probably largely flat. And then I think um, services will continue to grow strongly, and I think you know, Apple Music will be an increasingly important component of that. Hmm. And uh, I did some. Uh, so number crunching recently trying to figure out what the revenue is at this point for Apple Music and it's fairly significant it's about 8% of services revenue in Q3 I think and so as the number of subscribers keeps going up that number and the contribution to overall revenue obviously goes up too but you know you could easily see it being 15% of Apple services revenue next year and that's not huge but it's a significant revenue com uh, contributor and it, it also means that Apple probably paid the music industry about the same amount in 2015 as YouTube did, you know, and YouTube has a billion yeah. users. Apple Music has 20 million at the end of the year um, when it comes to music. But, uh, you know, so that's an interesting thing to think about too. Um, I think they'll finally launch some kind of video service in 2017. Um, you know, the TV app really feels like a precursor to a TV app, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So, yeah. uh, you know, this is something we've talked about a lot and they've, they've kind of approached it and gone back from it. I think it'll it'll become apparent to them and to everybody else that they have to have some kind of first party video service in 2017 and I think they'll finally launch something there I think the TV app will be the home of that and will probably continue to house other ways to watch video as well um, but I think they will do their own subscription video service at some point um, beyond that so out there predictions um, I think you know it's been interesting to see Apple 
start to sell Sonos systems. And, and obviously, we were just talking about a Siri speaker or an Apple speaker or whatever. Um, you know, they could just organically get into that business or they could just acquire Sonos, frankly, as well and turn that into, you know, the basis of a, a speaker play. It'd be an interesting compliment to Beats, obviously, that does some speakers, but mostly is about headphones. So it would be a sort of compliment to that audio play that they have already. It's a fairly high-end premium sort of product, which sort of fits the branding and so on, arguably better than Beats did. So that's sort of one of my out there projections. Um, and then, you know, a slightly less out there projection, uh, 4K in the Apple TV and in iTunes, because it's no good having it in Apple TV unless iTunes movies are there. That's and right. Google Play recently finally launched that. So it feels like we're probably ready for that next year. And then the last one is just that they, they finally get to repatriate all that overseas cash. So I think, you know, there will oh, yeah. be some kind of tax holiday or something like that. They'll get to repatriate the cash and they'll settle the EU case as well. So I think they'll ultimately end up paying something by way of taxes in Ireland off the back of the EU case. Uh, it'll be a settlement rather than a court judgment. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's the last of my sort of predictions for Apple. Well, that last one will be interesting because the repatriation will dramatically change the nature of the EU case. Yes, and because, I wonder if those two might go together. The, yeah, the foundation of the EU claim is that is that somebody has to tax these profits, and if the, if Apple gets to repatriate with a steep discount on their on their corporate income tax, then that then allows them to turn to the EU and say, "See, we told you so." Right, and then yeah. the EU is willing to settle for far less. Yeah, no, and MG Siegler actually had a really interesting piece about how those two are connected as well. So. Worth, worth reading that. Uh, I think it was in his 500 words blog that he does. Yeah. Well, let's move on to some other companies, uh, Google or Alphabet. Did you have some predictions there, Aaron? Yeah, I, th I think their ad revenue growth is going to be just in their own properties. And um, I think that is going to bug some investors, meaning that they're not going to see very much ad revenue growth with third-party sites that are running Google ads, but rather it's going to be in their own stuff like in YouTube or or news, or you know, any of their stuff on mobile, and so, so I think, and I think that is going to be a little bit concerning for some investors, especially with the with the new pressure and all these other bets, and and you know, I think those losses are not going to go away this year, and so, I think investors are going to feel even more anxious about the ad revenue for the main core Google business. Um, I think if they make a big play this year, it's going to be in connected home. That just seems to be the obvious place to me, and. Uh, and um, it won't surprise me if they actually announce hardware, like at I.O., for example, in the spring, and then they ship it in uh, you know, mid to late fall, where um, they're actually shipping things like, like, like plug adapters you know, that will turn lamps on and off or appliances on and off or, or other things like that. And then also, you know, they've had a platform for this that they haven't done very much with yet, but I think it's going to have to be something they lead the way in. And so it wouldn't surprise me if that's their big play in a mix of hardware and software, that it's all in connected home and, and you know, getting stuff to, to talk to your Google Home speaker, you know, and you can turn things on and off. And then my last big prediction with them is that the Pixel is going to have a, a fantastic year. It will obviously get updated this year. And I think it's going to be big enough that people are going to wonder if Samsung has much of a future in smartphones. Um, because I, I think if, if Google continues to play in the premium space on the phone side, um, and I think they'll be able to do it better than any other Android manufacturers, including Samsung, um, I think Samsung's going to get hurt pretty badly and the Pixel's going to do well. 
Okay. So a couple of those align pretty closely with some stuff that I was going to talk about. Um, you know, obviously Google or Alphabet owns Nest. Um, and so they are in the home um, device space already in terms of home automation. So my prediction was less that they were going to get into this because they're in it already, but, but more that the Google brand would perhaps absorb the Nest brand or at least see tighter integration with it um, such that perhaps Nest is used for certain categories of products and then there are sort of Google or Pixel branded home automation devices. So I think that's perhaps two ways of saying the same thing to some extent. Right. But, uh, I think you might well see Nest sort of migrate into the Google business at some point and out of the other bets uh, and see some tighter integration there as part of this sort of broader push into hardware. Uh, absolutely agreed on the Pixel, seems to be doing very well so far. Uh, and so I, no doubt we'll see a Pixel 2 next year. Um, but I also think they'll launch a smartwatch. Um, you know, I think given what's happening with Android Wear at the moment, where it just basically seems to be dying on the vine, I think they have to do that to re to sort of breathe some life into that category and, and to make sure that the smartwatch category isn't just basically the Apple Watch. Um, and so I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see, you know, the Google Watch basically and uh, that acts as a complement to the Pixel 2 and, and does all sorts of interesting things with it. You know, I think if this hardware push goes well, and certainly so far it seems to be going well, um, I, we could easily see another Pixel laptop, another Pixel tablet. could see a Wi-Fi 2 potentially, although I'm not sure that needs an upgrade right away. We could see something else in the TV space. You know, they have Chromecast obviously already, but they don't have their own TV box today. They've got Android TV, which others are using. But I could easily see them launch some kind of TV box. Obviously, yeah. they tried that with the Nexus Q. Uh, a few years back and, and never even made it to market. But, um, you know, I, I think there's probably good odds there. But as you say, and this is kind of the third part of my prediction here, I think all of this is going to make their relationships with OEMs a lot harder. And Samsung seems most likely to be hardest hit given the sort of premium focus, which is where Samsung does best. So I think the relationships with OEMs are going to get strained and the relationship with Samsung will be particularly so. And that may well then lead to some other interesting decisions on Samsung's part. Um, and then sort of my, my last prediction, this sort of echoes one of my last predictions around Apple. Google obviously is also in the midst of a tussle with the EU at the moment, where the EU has accused Google of anti-competitive behavior. Google's pushed back, as Apple has. Ultimately, that has to some, come to some kind of resolution. May or may not happen this coming year, but I think if it does, Google might well end up paying a big fine and having to make some changes to the way its products are structured and so on in the EU, which could be kind of a big deal. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, the watch one is really interesting to me. And like you were saying, how, how the OS, the watch OS for them seems to kind of be dying or it doesn't seem like anything's happening. I wonder if it's because they're just holding stuff back. And I think everything you're talking about is going to also indicate a shift away from the same level of openness that has been the hallmark of Android to this point. I can picture them starting to hold stuff back for themselves, it, further mm -hmm. straining the OEM relationships like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe sure. it's just maybe it's just they have you know, they're developing products on future OS versions that other people aren't going to get until Apple's shipping products out the door, right? Mm. And then that's yeah. when they make the that's when they they you know they they ship the Android version or whatever it is that other manufacturers can can leverage. Right, right, yeah. Um, anything else on on Alphabet? Uh, no. No? Okay. Um, so I, I had a list of other companies I was going to talk about, uh, Microsoft, Twitter, Facebook, Uber, and Snap. Um, are, are there any, uh, any of those that you have things to to predict on as well? Um, I, yeah, I have related things on Facebook and Snap. 
So okay. you go ahead cool. and I'll jump in. All right, so I'll run, I'll run quickly through the Microsoft and Twitter ones. Microsoft sort of just in the last few weeks announced a strategy to compete with the sort of home speaker space, so the Echo and Home and so on. Uh, their strategy is kind of opening it up to partners, so not necessarily building anything themselves yet, maybe they still will, um, but opening it up so that uh, Windows PCs can be sort of Echo equivalents, uh, but also any other device in the home, you know, fridge or whatever, theoretically could have this in there as well. So... Um, that's an interesting strategy. I, I, I don't think most of those things will work well. I don't think anybody wants you know to have their speaker in their fridge necessarily, but I do think you could well see some interesting uh, speakers from third parties that, that incorporate Cortana and do quite well. And I think you know if Microsoft ends up doing something in this space too, that could do somewhat well as well. So I think that strategy may well surprise us in 2017. This is a bit of an out there prediction, but I think that that could go better than many people might expect if we see hardware hit the market in 2017 and that is a big if because it's just barely been announced as a strategy and it will take some time but um, you know I think that could be an interesting thing in the consumer market um, my other sort of consumer prediction was more a broad prediction but is around Windows 10 you know they had this lofty goal for how many hundreds of millions of users they wanted to have on it I think we were saying right from the beginning we thought that was unrealistic and, and they've con uh, conceded that at this point, but largely blame that on mobile. But I think what we'll see in 2017 is uh, continually slowing adoption uh, of Windows 10 and just creeping up slowly uh, and more and more slowly such that it, it stays well short of the goals they set for overall adoption. So it's had a pretty decent launch. It's been pretty well received on the whole, but lots of people seem to be perfectly happy to stick with what they have, especially now that they have to pay for the upgrade after the sort of one year free. So that's my other sort of prediction for Microsoft is that Windows 10 adoption continues to go very slowly. Yeah, I think that one's right on. In fact, uh, I had thought about adding that to my list is that the billion devices with Windows 10 that Microsoft is going to completely and entirely abandon that this year. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, still, there's still some hangover there. They've sort of said that it's delayed but not abandoned, you mm -hmm. know, and that they still have this goal. I think it completely disappears as a goal next year. I mean, yeah. I'll, according to their own website, they're only at $400 million right now. And I just can't see a path to more than doubling that number. Right. Uh, unless, it's, unless it's in a whole bunch of other devices like you were just talking about. But even then, I can't picture it being, you know, $600 million new devices. So, right. Yeah, so yeah, I think you're right on on that. I think Windows 10 is still a great product, um, but I think the billion device goal for it is going to be totally abandoned this year. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to Twitter. Um, here, I think they'll basically have to acknowledge that they're stuck at the user numbers that they're at, and there's going to be very little growth. And I think that acknowledgement then has to drive a very different approach to the financial position of Twitter, because right now they're loss-making their ability to make money has been presumed to be dependent on a certain amount of growth. And if that growth is not going to show up, then they have to cut back significantly on the cost side. And so I think you'll see a concession that user growth isn't coming, uh, leading then to much greater financial discipline and some more significant cuts to the workforce in particular. That's obviously one of their biggest costs uh, in order to try to get closer to profitability. And I think that may well all mean that Jack Dorsey has to leave as well especially given, you know, he's running two companies at once. Square seems to be doing pretty well on the whole, uh, but Twitter really doesn't seem to be. And so I think, you know, you'll see, you know, more doubling down on live video and all that kind of stuff, but none of it's going to make a meaningful difference. And so I think Jack Dorsey could be out by the end of the year. So I think that's my slightly out there prediction for Twitter. The others I'm very confident about. Lack of user growth leading to more cuts. I think I'm pretty confident about that one. 
Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I wonder if this year holds a seismic event for Twitter in some way. Um, it's, uh, it's, we've been talking about them in the same context as Facebook with the, um, you know, Facebook with the fake news and, and Twitter with the abuse problems. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's a seismic event coming for Twitter on the abuse side. Um, I don't know what it might involve. Um, you know, I don't know if it would be, uh, um, you know, maybe, a. uh, a high profile suicide, which would be really tragic. Like I could picture tragedy striking on the other side, a a seismic event could be Twitter taking a stand on something. Um, you know, if their politics, for example, don't align with president elect Trump's politics, uh, I still hanging out there, the possibility that they're going to suspend Trump's account. Mm. (laughs) And I wonder if there will be something like that. So a seismic event of some kind, in the end, though, I don't think it's the sort of event that could save the company from right. its current trajectory. Something big has to change for it to be a company that's going to grow. Yeah, agreed. Okay, let's talk about Facebook. You said you had a prediction there. Uh, so so it's a broader prediction about privacy and encryption. I think this is going to resurface this year. Like privacy and encryption is going to be... In the news again, sort of like it was last spring with the iPhone and the FBI. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, Facebook has encrypted products now like WhatsApp. And uh, I think Facebook is going to take a stand on the encryption side as well, being pro-encryption and pro-privacy. And, uh, and I, think it's, I think social media is going to be in the crosshairs this time around. Uh, social media and or messaging, and it won't surprise me if Facebook ends up taking heat through something that happens this year. I, I don't again, I don't know exactly what that's going to be, um, but uh, but I, I, I think uh, it, I'd like I don't know if it's going to be you know a terrorist event and it's going to be discovered that the collaborators are using WhatsApp to communicate. So, uh, but I think something like that is coming down the pipe, and I don't think it's going to be just Apple that takes the heat this time. I think privacy and encryption are going to resurface, and I won't be surprised if another company ends up in the crosshairs mm. and Facebook okay. is the one I was thinking of because of WhatsApp. Right. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, so Facebook's already said they think their revenue growth will slow next year. So it doesn't feel like too much of an out there prediction to sort of go along with that. Having said that, what they really haven't talked about is how much it will slow. And I did some work a while back that suggests that it's, it's ad load that really they're saying is, is going to um, basically max out and therefore no longer be a driver of revenue growth. And so the big question is just how much do the rest of the drivers contribute and how much does ad load or increasing ad load contribute to ad growth? Um, and so my feeling is that it won't actually slow down that much. So maybe it goes from sort of 40% down to 30% or 20% growth. But I think you're still going to see very healthy revenue growth at Facebook, not least because things like Instagram are still growing quite rapidly. Their user base is still growing rapidly and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I think their revenue growth will slow, but not massively. Um, I think they are going to have some bumps in the road as they try to monetize um, Messenger and WhatsApp in particular. Um, You know, Facebook has done very well at monetizing both the core Facebook experience and Instagram, but they've done that because ads feel like a quite a natural sort of organic part of that experience. Whereas I think in Messenger messaging products in general, including WhatsApp, it's a lot less natural and feels a lot more invasive. And so as they try to monetize those things, which they kind of announced they would do back at F8 this year, 
I think they're going to struggle and hit some bumps in the road in terms of user experience and so on. I don't know how significant that's going to be in terms of their overall revenue growth prospects, but I do see that being something of an issue for them this year. Yeah. I think uh, the other sort of prediction I have with regard to, to Facebook is just that a lot of their internet stuff, the stuff that's about internet connectivity, whether it's planes or whatever else they're working on. Blimps. I have a feeling all of that's <laughs> going to come to nothing, basically. I have a feeling that's going to basically have no meaningful impact this year and, and perhaps may well be scaled back after that. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, so you had something with regard to Snap, I think. Well, again, this is an industry prediction, and then the focus is turning to Snap. VR had a big year this year in terms of public attention and announced products and all that. I think AR is actually a much bigger deal heading into the future, and I think augmented reality is going to see a big year in the year to come. Um, you know, Pokemon Go was sort of the poster child of augmented reality this year, and um, I think there are a lot more uses for AR. And I think Snap is going to be the company that surprises everybody with this. Um, it's underappreciated. We, you talked about them as a company that surprised you the most when we <clears throat> did that as a question of the year last week. And <clears throat> I, um, I, they, they already have a lot going on when it comes to computer vision. I mean, they seem silly, but the, but the, but the, the filters in Snapchat, you know, so you can make your face look like you're, you know, a dog or a snowflake or have really big eyes or whatever. Um, you know, that's not, that's not, that's not trivial, um, uh, in, in terms of what they accomplish because they work really, really well and they have very talented people in computer vision, you know, working on these problems for them. <clears throat> I think augmented reality is going to have a big year this year. I think snap is going to do something probably related to the spectacles. Um, and, uh, and I think it's going to, they're going to sort of lead the way. And I think what's going to be distinctive is that they're not going to be focusing on augmented reality as a useful thing, but just as a fun thing. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, fun is useful. And, uh, and I think they're going to, they're going to pioneer something new in AR this year. So, yeah, I think that's a great prediction. Yeah. Um, there was an interesting announcement actually today, I think, um, that Snapchat's going to be uh, having some content from, I'm trying to remember what it was, I think it may have been like The Bachelor or something like that, but it's some ABC sort of pro pro professionally produced video content starting to show up in Snapchat. And obviously there's there's all the uh, stories and so on that they have already in there from, from in the Discover tab, you know, from various brands and so on. So it's not completely new, but this will be the first time that sort of a TV brand was putting TV show type content in there. And I suspect that's going to be a big trend next year. I think video... Uh, especially sort of professional, uh, traditional type video, but in new sort of chunks and formats is going to make its way into Snapchat. And I think the reason that's important is the big transition Snap has to make this year, and, and I mentioned this last year when we did our year in review, it, the big transition they have to make is getting serious about advertising, and uh, especially if they want to IPO, which it seems likely that they do, they're going to have to find ways to drive faster revenue growth through advertising. And that means trackable uh, advertising revenue uh, and, and analytics and everything else around uh, advertising that they haven't had so far and means that they're behind you know Google behind Facebook in terms of the analytics and everything else and so I think video uh, may well be one way to drive advertising that can really be tracked um, in, a, in a better way and so I think that's the big story for them is they have to uh, find ways to fix their ad products and uh, and video feels like it may well be part of that story. So that's kind of my big prediction for them. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Um, Uber was kind of the last company I wanted to briefly talk about, and we talked about them a little bit in the news roundup last week, but uh, they are being very cavalier about self-driving cars and regulation and so on relating to that. And my prediction here is that there will be some kind of accident or several accidents that result from that sort of cavalier attitude and that that finally brings things to a head and forces a change in policy, forces perhaps a greater degree of humility, uh, a change in approach or just some kind of legal action against Uber. And, you know, I think that could be, I mean, you were talking about a seismic event for Twitter earlier. I think that's the kind of seismic event that could really change things for Uber this year. Obviously, I hope it doesn't happen. Obviously, I hope that all their self-driving cars behave themselves and don't cause any accidents. But I could easily see the approach they're taking right now leading to an accident or, or one or more accidents. Uh, you, we saw what happened this year with Tesla and their self-driving mode. That's very limited, and I think the fallout ended up being not that bad for Tesla. Um, but it takes a tragic event like that to change people's perceptions of this kind of thing. And I suspect we may well see something like that with Uber this year, and that would be very damaging for them and their brand. So that's kind of uh, my big prediction for Uber this year. Yeah, and that would be a really interesting one for self-driving vehicles generally. It'll be, you know, this is, an, this is a technology that still needs social acceptance, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think we can take for granted that it's there yet. Um, I, I think I, I think I, I can totally see some, an event like that coming. I think as a result that self-driving cars are not gonna, it's they're still gonna feel like a thing of the future even this coming year. There will definitely be progress, but you're not gonna see any really huge plays. Um, the thing that I think is gonna hit a tipping point this year, and so this prediction I'm gonna make is is much like the the over-the-top television prediction that I made last year, where we'll sort of look back on it years from now and see it as the tipping point period. I think this is the this is the year to come for electric vehicles. I think EVs are are definitely the future, and uh, I think that much is obvious. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a whole bunch more manufacturers announce new products in this space to the point that it'll almost feel crowded, like everybody's doing it. Because um, that's not entirely the case yet. But I think this is year where it feels like that's the case. And even though there won't be a lot of newly shipped products, like I won't be surprised if the if the Tesla three, which is supposed to start producing, you know, late next year, I won't be surprised if that gets delayed into 2018. So it's not that you're going to see a whole bunch of new EVs on the road per se, but you're going to see a whole bunch of new companies getting into the electric vehicle space. And I think 2017 will be seen as a tipping point year as far as electric vehicles are concerned. Yeah, I think another enabler of that might be rising gas prices. And, you know, so far we've seen gas prices fall quite a bit over the last few years. But, you know, OPEC made some decisions in the last few weeks to restrict production. And so, you know, that's causing some oil prices to rise. And, and, you know, oil prices rising raises gas prices, obviously, at the pump. And then that in turn changes people's perceptions of the economics of owning an electric or hybrid car. And so if we do see a meaningful increase again in oil prices, then that could obviously drive different perceptions and different attitudes towards electric and hybrid cars. So, um, you know, they've had a tough couple of years in terms of sales. You know, hybrids, Prius in particular, haven't sold anywhere near as well over the last couple of years. But, you know, that's the kind of conditions that could make for a change in that dynamic. And then, you know, you couple that with all the incentives that exist now and then, um, you know, the release of, you know, Chevy's electric vehicle, electric vehicle, which looks like it's, uh, you know, starting to um, actually be delivered to customers now. Um, you know, we've got the auto show, the, the North American auto show in Detroit coming up in the second week of January, where I, I expect we'll see a lot more of that kind of thing released and announced. 
so yeah, it does feel like we're reaching a tipping point there. Um, I think if we have sort of five minutes left here, I think some more industry stuff to talk about. And I don't know if you have any other industry level predictions, but I, I had a couple. You know, you, you talked about life getting hard for Samsung. If we think life's getting harder for Samsung, then then HTC is you know, a whole degree uh, beyond <laughs> yeah. that already. And and I think we're, we're likely to see something of a shakeout in the smartphone market this year. It's going to be a tough year for the smartphone market. And I think it'd be very tough for HTC to keep doing what it's doing in smartphones. Uh, you know, BlackBerry's basically out of the business now. You know, we could well see others fall by the wayside. LG and Sony feel like two others that are sort of on the brink. Sony's been doing better recently by focusing on the premium end and, and cutting down in volumes and just focusing on high end and high margin. That served them well. LG's continued to struggle. It's hard to see LG getting out altogether at this point, but they, they're just losing money, and that doesn't seem to be showing any signs of change. So certainly HTC and possibly others could, could be shaken out of the smartphone market this year. Um, another interesting trend to think about is Chinese brands in the U.S. Um, and so we talked about Le Eco a few weeks ago when they had their big U.S. launch. Uh, TCL is apparently going to start doing some some video stuff in their smart TVs. Xiaomi is doing a press conference at CES for the first time. You know, they're basically non-existent in the U.S. today. So they're clearly getting ready to make a push in the U.S. So I think 2017 could be a really interesting year for Chinese brands in the U.S. I suspect for the most part it's not going to go super well other than in the in the places they already participate, which tends to be cheap basic electronics. What's different is they seem to be pushing up into the sort of ecosystem play and services play. I don't think that's going to go very well for them, but I think we're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff happening this year. Yeah, I can see that too. In fact, I think some of the more traditional cheap brands and televisions and other consumer electronics are going to feel pressure, not unlike how it happened in the smartphone market internationally. So Right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other sort of industry level stuff that you want to talk about? You know, I, it's funny because when we were, as I've been thinking ahead on this episode and trying to figure out my predictions, I've had a hard time coming up with predictions. And I think what it comes down to is that my big prediction for 2017 is that is that it's going to feel very much like an incremental year. I don't think there's going to be, I think 2017 is going to feel like a year where all the exciting stuff is still another year or two away. I mean, you think about self-driving vehicles, drones, smart homes, AI and personal assistance and all that kind of stuff. I think we're going to get to the end of 2017 and we're going to say, yeah, there wasn't anything huge this year. There was improvement, stuff was refined, but the exciting stuff is still ahead of us. And I think that's that's my prediction for 2017. That's meta industry level right there. But but I think it's I, I think 2017 is 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 going to be an unremarkable year generally. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right about that. I think I think we will see a lot of new products. It's not like there's not going to be anything released. And, and you know, right. we'll see the 10th anniversary of the iPhone and, and probably a big iPhone release. And perhaps towards the end of the year, things start to get exciting again. But, uh, yeah, I could easily see this a year that's more sort of incremental in nature. And that partly reflects sort of the maturity of the industry. But I think, yeah, it could well be a, a year that's relatively quiet in terms of massive sea change. I think we see lots of existing trends kind of playing out much as they have been, uh, and then perhaps the really big seismic changes start to happen after that. That yeah. makes sense to me too, yeah. I do think this could be a really interesting year for AR. I mean, you, you made a prediction about Snapchat releasing AR hardware. I do think we'll see the first really interesting AR hardware this year, and that could really sort of raise awareness of that category and uh, and perhaps precipitate Apple's entry, for example, into this area where they're known to be very interested. So yeah. it could be a very interesting year in that sense. Okay, well, let's wrap up there. We're almost at the hour mark here. So 
Thank you all for being with us again. This will be our last episode for the year. We'll be back um, the first full week of January with a CES-focused episode. And uh, we'll uh, wish you all happy holidays in the meantime. Hope you enjoy some time off over the next couple of weeks. And uh, we hope to do the same. And we'll be with you again in January. Thanks.